If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, we are back. Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 235. This is our 2022 Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba Tips Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahoin join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selections for this week's PGA Tour Action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more info and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting preview of the Mayakoba tournament form stats, combi course and current form stats, and our PGA Tour predictor model. All of these features, and there's going to be first-round leader stats as well later in the week, like this podcast, are all completely free of charge with no paywall. We're available on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. Plus, you can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Right, now you guys review, uh, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start for future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Right, we've got one here. It's from K Hockey Twenty One, and he is in the state of Texas. They had a great Grand Prix in uh, Texas a couple of weeks ago. Uh, very easy watching, I found it. Uh, great insight is the title. Five stars. Thanks, guys. Great show and analysis, week in, week out. I love listening from Texas. It's short but it's sweet. That's from K Hockey Twenty One. Thanks for your time. Lovely stuff. Yes, thanks for taking the time to to ping us that review through. Very much appreciated. I've been asking, haven't I, for five-star reviews on uh, Spotify. Mm. And we're up to 263, so it'd be great to get towards that 300 total. So we're 37 short of that at the moment. If we could, uh, if you do listen on Spotify, just press the five-star moniker at the top. It's that simple. And uh, if we could get to 300 by the end of this golfing calendar, it'd be fantastic. I only believe, though, we've got... Would it be three shows left? We've got the Mayakoba this week. We've got yeah. Houston and South Africa next week. Yeah, Nedbank, yeah. And then it's the RSM and the DP World Tour Championship. Mm. Three good weeks of golf, really. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah season's grinding grinding heading towards its finale anyway we're getting there so, yeah barry talk to me about the bermuda championship last week i did i was away playing um a bit of golf on monday and tuesday took advantage of the week off played went down to play mount juliet on the monday and the k club Ryder cup course which is used to be called the palmer and it's now called the north which makes it really confusing so confusing that my two of my friends arrived at the south course which used to be the smurfit and uh, we had 10, 10 minutes till tea time so 
Uh, I didn't have much time to do uh, research or just wasn't really bothered too much. So I did a bit of reading What's around. What's <laughs> Well, you know, I, I can do some pretty intense research, kind of like cramming for an exam uh, when needed. But I um, I picked up a tip from Paulie's Picks on the Friday newsletter. Just had a quick scan of that. And Ben um, Griffin That's caught it. my eye. <laughs> so so unaware of Ben Griffin was I that I can barely remember his name. But hey, what Paulie wrote sounded good. The guy's a hot putter, had a little bit of backup to the pick, and he was 100 to 1. So I said, I'll take him with the 10 places on bet 365. And I felt great on Sunday. It's like this was all, it was looking really solid. And he was facing down against Seamus Power, who I had also become price proud of and didn't back last week. It was kind of. Uh, feel silly in hindsight but um, thankfully I was having dinner with my family um, when the carnage of the back nine was happening uh, I think I would have broken the TV had I been watching um, Mr Griffin drop six shots and five holes mm. so hey look for for a flyer of a pick to get a place was good and mm. I had the, the emotional hedge of Seamus winning so hey, it was a good week can't really what price were you on him at Barry? Uh, it was a hundred to one. The eight places. Uh, I took him with ten because I was a bit unsure of. I just yeah. wanted the extra places, so it was one seventh. Anyway, look, it covered the bets for the week. That's all you can really, uh, you know, if, if you can get that every week, you're in good shape and hope mm. not not losing <clears throat> money on the week is great. So uh, you've got to yeah. say it's a it's a it's a tough old event to call. Nightmare, a difficult one, but. Uh, I said to Paul a couple of weeks ago, if I could get thirty-three to one on Seamus Power, I'd put him up. And he turned up at twenty-two to one, and I instantly went, mm, "I can't back Seamus Power at twenty-two to one." Yeah, and he goes and wins. We're silly. Just wasn't the depth of field, was there, to to get that kind of price on him? But no. second uh, PGA Tour win now for Seamus is developing into a, an increasingly accomplished player and one that, well. He should have his sights very much set on the Ryder Cup next year. I think he's up to the eighth or something like that in the uh, in the rankings now. So he's he's in the position that he needs to be. Um, and uh, a big year coming up now with himself ensconced inside that uh, world top fifty. So access to all of the big events and uh, yeah, a, a big twelve months coming up or just under twelve yeah. months for for Seamus Power. That's the advantage he's, Seamus got, isn't it? Top fifty PGA Tour member. You look at a lot of the other guys that we've already discussed over the weeks that could potentially get into that team. The Hoygaard brothers, DP World Tour, no access to the PGA Tour. McIntyre's fringy, isn't he? I think mm. he, he still hasn't got a membership for the PGA Tour. Am I right or wrong on that? Don't, Don't think know. so, no. Don't think so. So, you know, there's, there's a first hurdle that really needs to be tackled by any of those guys to be playing in America and get the big, big world ranking points. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Seamus in a great position. He's, you know, if I'm reading these OWG or correctly, he's lost very few points. So he's just got a lot of recent accumulation of points and he's into 32nd in the rankings. So, mm. yeah, I think if he could if just... anything, you leak up. It, hopefully, yeah. I mean, look, if you could just keep keep the form tipping along, um, get a few nice results. Possibly doesn't need another win now to be one of you know seriously considered as one of the picks. 
just keep himself in around that top 11, 12 in total between the two rankings uh, sheets for the Ryder Cup, you feel like he's got a really good chance. And he's a very good match player, as you pointed out in our pre-show chat. You know, he was um, was at semi-finals of the match play this year. Yeah. A lot yeah, of ball, lot, lot of factors going uh, coming together from. Um, I mean, it's what eleven months away, ten and a half months away. It's, it's going to come on us really fast. Yeah, you got to think that he's got to focus on securing at least another win um, and you know a couple of decent efforts mm. at majors or WGCs, whichever WGCs we get next year. Um, but he's well capable and uh, he's, he's proven himself capable of taking down these PGA Tour events. And, you know, in a way, a little fortuitous last week because Griffin um, had that event at his mercy. But uh, it's not easy to go over the line. It's not easy for any player to go over the line on a, a PGA Tour or a, or a DP World Tour event. So uh, to get his second win, very well done to him. We should probably mention, actually, Thomas Dietrich, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Seventh right now. I know, I know it's, uh, you know, we've only been playing six events. He's sixth right now in the FedEx Cup standings. He probably got enough points there for his whole, for the card for the season. 429 points. Yep. You know, he started very, very strongly over in uh, on the PGA Tour. So fair play to him. Guy never wins, but he's playing some extraordinary golf right now. That's the thing that's... Sorry, go ahead there, Paul. No, go on. You're... No, yours is definitely more interesting than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I was going to say, perhaps, you know, we've talked about him ad nauseum on the DP World Tour and it kind of is not getting over the line. Perhaps it will just be the way golf works that he'll, you know, pitch up on the PGA Tour and, uh, and, and get himself that mm. elusive win. And move on from there. Once he gets that win, you know. Once he gets that win, he's gonna he's gonna fly. He's a very very talented player. So yeah, we've seen Keegan Bradley win so far this this new season. We've seen Mackenzie Hughes win. Both of those won off ridiculously long layoffs with no victories. Mm. Maybe it's time for Thomas Dietrich. Now I'm not saying that yeah, Ryder Cup, but the got you go. Just you just have to call it as it is. He's playing some great golf right now. It's good to see another European doing well over in uh, on the PGA Tour. Mm, yep. Talk to us last week about the DP World Tour in Portugal, Paul. Jordan Smith, one of the worst putters on the DP World Tour, actually backed up his standard tee to green excellence with a fantastic week with the flat stick. Did did he fly over Brad Faxon for the week? I'm not entirely sure what he did do, but his stats um, were incredible. Mm. Um, 30 under par for a start. I mean, to get to 30 under par in any event is outstanding. And We know that Portugal Masters, we know that Don Pedro is a bit of a birdie fest anyway, but generally if you're getting high teens, low 20s under par, you're in, in the mix. So to, to reach 30 under puts it on into context. But as you said, yeah, you know, he hit his requisite number of greens. He was over 80% of greens in regulation, which is kind of what you expect with Jordan Smith. But he averaged just 27 putts per day, which is probably two or three at least better than his, you know, his long-term average. And on any given week, he can be far worse than that. But he was just on fire. First for strokes gain putting. I had a look through his um, career record since strokes gain has been captured on the DP World Tour, and he's got nowhere near that. 
And mm. it won't surprise you because as you just, you know, as you described him in that little intro there, um, he, he's not a putter, but for him to go out and to top first for strokes going off the tee, top for strokes going tee to green and top for strokes going putting, that's a very, very strong combination. You just aren't going to beat that, are you? And so, I mean, you've got you, you to feel sorry for Gavin Green because he did yeah. very little wrong. But, to, yeah. For him to get within three shots it was, of that performance is staggering. Mm. I mean, you, with those stats, you'd expect Smith to be seven, eight clear. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. it was incredible. What like that's just a lights out week for uh, on the greens for him. Like twenty seven puts per you know for a round with eighty percent GIR is just he couldn't miss. <laughs> it was amazing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Twenty seven birdies, three eagles on the week. Uh, yeah, I, you know there were a number of superlatives that you can use about that performance, but it was Jordan Smith. Take a bow, son. Very very good. I like the way Gavin Green plays golf. He he's just he just goes for it. He's very aggressive, and that kind of suits that kind of setup at um, at a, a Villamora. Um, yeah, he's finished runner up now a couple of times in the last few few weeks, and eventually, you know, that kind of thing will start to grate. Particularly when he he should feel aggrieved that he didn't win last week because that was a in any other renewal of the Portugal Masters that was a winning performance. Um, we backed him a few weeks before where he's three shots clear going into the final round and uh, and, and failed to convert that one. So, yeah, it's, yeah, he's close, Gavin Green, but you've got to pick him on the right weeks. You've got to pick him on a week where he can open his shoulders and have a have a real go at these uh, attackable courses and, uh, and, and take your chances and hope you don't run into someone who's playing as well as uh, Jordan Smith did last week. Really, really good. I've got a slither back from uh, Marcel Schneider, finished tied eighth in the end. But if you look at his stats, he lost strokes on the green and you just absolutely can't do that um, on a week where you need to be making copious amount of birdies. So, yeah, disappointing overall. Ross Fisher, tied 18th, so top 20 came for me. Um, and it, you know, he started well. There was a few of my picks started well and then kind of just couldn't keep up with the pace. When you're seeing someone like Smith knocking in 62s and 63s, 64s for fun, that's, you know, if you start to drop off the pace, then you're just disappearing down that leaderboard rapido. But yes, well done. We're still Jordan. looking at top 50 for uh, for DP World Tour Championship. So you've got, um, you've got 64 players, I believe, 64 or 65 going into the Ned Bank next week. And then um, from there, it'll be the top 50. And now they have added the word available. I know I quoted it without a few weeks ago. It has snuck into the most recent communications. So now it's the top 50 available players um, will go to the DP World Tour Championship at the Earth Course. So yes, expect that to drift down towards 55th, maybe 60th. Depends who turns up. Um, you know, some players are injured, of course, and some players um, will choose not to attend. But you'd expect, other than that, a pretty strong contingent from the top fifty-five-ish, <laughs> let's say. So, yeah. yeah, there'll be there'll be a little bit of jostling going on at the Ned Bank next week. Zalatoris yeah, yeah. clearly won't start, and he's no, in that, fifth in the standings. Exactly. I'm just I'm just scanning down. I thought most of these guys are going to turn up. To be fair, I mean Alex Noren's going to—he's trying to get world top fifty. So there's no way Noren won't go. Colin Morikawa—you'd expect him to turn up and defend, wouldn't you? He's mm. at thirtieth. 
he might he might be dubious. That's potentially two that don't make it. But I'm not seeing anyone else really that's jumping out at me that won't that won't attend. It was interesting with Gavin Green. He's now jumped up to 42, so he's basically stamped. That's a big, big move for him, isn't it? He jumped up yep. 34 spots last week. He's now going to be playing DP World Tour Championship. Yeah, yeah, he'll be there. He'll be there in Dubai. Um, those mm. guys are completely safe. You know, if there was another full field event before that point, there'd be a bit more jostling. And we should have had the Cypress Open this week, so um, that would have changed things a little bit. But that was cancelled. So, uh, so yeah, just the final two to to tackle over in the next fortnight. Be interesting with Seamus, you know. He's 59th in the standings. So it'd be interesting to see if Seamus actually says, well, I've done enough on the PGA Tour. I'm going to jump across to South Africa, play that, and try and get into the DP World Tour Championship. Thomas Thomas Dietry at 60. So, yeah, don't know. A couple of decisions to be made by some of these guys about where they're going to be playing their golf over the next few weeks. Indeed. Should we talk? Well, I love the, I love this um, this event. It's got a catchy name, isn't it? The uh, Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. Very, very catchy sponsorship. That's what I love about the PGA Tour. Um, basically, Mayakoba, El Chameleon Golf Course. So we've We've seen this for years, years and years and years. Ever ever since we started Golf Betting System, Paul, this has been an event. Yes. Um, back 2009. They used to play it as one of these against a WGC field. I think it used to go up against, potentially, going way back, um, the event they used to play at Doral, potentially? Or was it the... I think it might actually have been the world uh, match play they used to play at Dove Mountain. I oh, think yeah, this used yeah. to go up against that. So we've seen it for a while, but um, Mexico, the coast, Cancun, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice spot here. Playa del Carmon in Mexico. It's a 7,000-yard par 71, so that tells you something. Not overly onerously long. Five, uh, it's got three par fives, a 36-35 format. Now, don't boo and hiss. It's a Greg Norman design. Um, it used to be quite a tricky test, this. Um, when the wind blew, and they used to set this up to actually have plenty of rough about it. Um, John Hurt won this at 13 under going back to 2012. Uh, recently, we're seeing totals sub 20 under par. So, Pat Perez, 21 under, Keziah, 19 under, Kuchar, 22, Todd, 20, Victor Hovland, first victory, 20 under par, and then last time around, 23 under par. So, we better be getting our birdie goggles on again this week. I think it's going to be easier in terms of scoring than what we saw in Bermuda last week. So um, it's a gettable golf course, effectively. I think one thing that's very, very, as you, you know, I always, I, I like watching this event. It's one of the, I don't know, I, you know, I'm mainly retentive. I actually quite look forward to this every year. It's a golf course I quite like. There's a lot of trouble off the, 
there's a lot of trouble here off the tee. Um, it's one of those golf courses, you know, where even if you've got insane power off the tee, like Cameron Champ for perspective, it's a target golf course where pretty much everybody are hitting the same areas off the tee. And a lot of that is fear, because if you miss left, miss right, you can be in all sorts of mangrove trouble, water trouble. Um, there's, 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 there's a lot of trouble off the tee. So a, a lot of clubbing down for the, for the more powerful sorts here. And that's definitely something Victor Hovland says he likes this golf course for two main reasons. Firstly, it suits his game. He says, I'm long, my, my, it used to be anyway, <laughs> um, he's, he's had trouble off the tee of late, but when he's, when he's prime Victor Hovland, he can hit it 310, no problem at all, straight as a die. So not only does he get great length off the tee, he gets great accuracy off the tee. So to, this is a total driving course for me. Um, also, on top of that, he says he likes the greens here because they're Paspalum. And as we know with Paspalum, very, very slow. He says, so it suits him because he prefers greens that are slower pace, so accurate approaches, and then you know he, he can hit the ball a little. He says, it, he says the greens, don't think agronomy, but they actually remind him very much of the greens he grew up with in Norway. Slow, flat, small. Yeah. And, yeah, it just works for him. I mean, you, you can't say it doesn't, can you? It's funny with with uh, Victor Hovland. I mentioned it in some tips the other week when I wrote them because I tipped him up for the event in Japan. Still not to have won in the United States. And all three of his PGO Tour victories have been on Paspalum Greens. Two yeah. here and one at Puerto Rico. Yeah, he'll put that. He'll change that. He'll put that right. It does does kind of put into context why he plays well over um, in Europe when he pops that aside as well. Um, you know, it's slower greens in general compared to the PGA Tour. So that that may well be part of the part of the equation. Perhaps picking him up on the weeks, the rare weeks, I suppose, on the PGA Tour where the the greens are a little bit slower, maybe the maybe the trick with a victor. Pass Barlam. Uh, look for results. Puerto Rico Open, Corrales Golf Championship. They also used to play Paspalum over at uh, the CIMB Classic that they used to play in Malaysia. That was 2013 through 2017. Mm. They also played Paspalum this year. At the Mexico Open, which they played on a different golf course, that was the signature course at Vidanta. That was the one that John Rahm won at five to one. So, if you're looking for Paspalum performances on the PGA Tour, oh, you can also throw Kiara Island, the PGA Championship, into that, but I'm not sure what the relevance of that is. Those are your those are your Paspalum golf courses. Are there any, Paul? I know I'm throwing you under the bus here without you having any prior knowledge, but are there any Paspalum golf courses that you could throw into the mix from a DP World Tour perspective? Put it this way, I mean, I was looking, if you look at what I've been doing recently, picking players that need to play to get in the world's top 50 for the Masters invite, blah, 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 blah. If you look uh, look at a player that's really, really sort of motivated to do well right now, 
Mm. I would be looking at Alex Noren. He's literally 49th in the world, I believe. Um, World Cup year, could get a Masters invite, blah, 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 blah. But when I looked at Noren, and we've always, I've always said this, I always think he's a bent grass, he's a bent poa, poana kind of guy. Yeah. Um, nothing that I could find, and I might be completely off bat here, that I could find on the DP World Tour showed me that he could play Paspalum on that. He's very, very bent, bent grass positive, isn't he? There, there have been um, Kuala Lumpur you mentioned, um, which they played some uh, some DP, well, European tours it was at the time, events back in the day. Um, Gran Canaria last year, that was on Paspalum. And uh, we've had some events over in Mauritius. I'm sure we've had some events in China as well over the years that have um, been on similar surfaces as well. So there's a few dotted about. Um, it's not particularly extensively used. Um, tend to be the uh, seaside tracks. They used to play Saudi, didn't they? Boo hiss, boo hiss. Saudi, the Saudi one was on Passport, wasn't it? Before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, the, there's, the, there's the odd one dotted about. I'd, I'd have to dig through some of my old previews to get a complete list. But uh, but yeah, whether how relevant that is yeah, to the guys that are in your field, not entirely sure. No, it's um, just my anal. It's just my anal retentive, mm. So yeah, I think lights out, short golf course, the weather looks great. Um, it doesn't look great on Thursday, it looks like it could be raining all day with uh, thunder, but they were saying that in Bermuda and it kind of didn't really come to fruition. No. Um, but the forecast for Thursday does look particularly wet and particularly thundery, so don't be surprised to see if there's some kind of problems on Thursday. But from that point on, not a lot of wind, a very soft golf course and... Um, they're just going to take it apart. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I was looking for good drivers of the golf ball. I, I genuinely think when I'm looking at winners here, now Brendan Todd's a bit of an, uh, yeah, he's a bit out there, but even Brendan Todd, he'd won at Bermuda the outing before. So we have had someone that's won Bermuda and then come here and won this as well. So that doesn't rule out Seamus Power. Um, he had ranked 15th for ball striking and 11th for greens in regulation when winning the Bermuda Championship. So he was he had his best tee to green game on arriving here. And Todd won this at 110 to 1 straight off a win. That's crazy looking back at that. But Hovland twice, Todd. Um, we've seen Aaron Wise go very close here. He's a very, very good high quality ball striker. Harris English has won here. He can go through states where, you know, he's he's straight off the tee, high GIR. Lucas Glover's had a top five round here in the last couple of years. It, Wacky Neiman, I was on him last year. He he got a tie for fifth. There, there's a lot of very good ball strikers that just seem to gravitate to tops of leaderboards. I mean, JJ Spawn's another great example. Danny Lee loves it around here. And when Danny Lee's on, and we know Danny Lee is very, very, very soft course positive, loves cutting the ground, Danny Lee. He, he's, um, he's got a great record here. It feels to me that if you can... I don't think you've got to be... I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? Matt Kuchar, Brendan Todd. You haven't got to be the longest hitter. Um, Adam Long's got a great record here. But if you can be arrow straight, avoid trouble... 
and you're comfortable on these greens and you're the kind of person that can putt well and build up a very, very decent score, avoid bogeys, it's your kind of golf course. It was interesting with JT. He was 14 to 1 favourite here last year, JT. And you look at his numbers, he was errant. He was typically Justin Thomas off the tee. And he was very, very low on his driving accuracy. And ultimately, that actually cost him a chance of winning this. He finished third. And that reason was because he was just too flagrant off the tee. I think you've got to have an element of straightness here. That's my view on it. Yeah. Anything you two want to add to the to the mix before we start going through our selections? No, only, well, only that 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 kind of argument is it puts me off Hovland in terms of it being, um, you know, obviously he's going for this hat trick this week, isn't he? But I think back to uh, to to Wentworth where he was in a great position going into the final round there um, a month or so ago, and he just started hitting everything left off the tee. And you, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to get away with it, either, either from off the tee or with your with your approach shots here. I don't. You know, if you're going to set yourself up to be in a position to make the what twenty twenty two under something like that, with, with thinking, um, you 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 can't be making those mistakes. And you know he's interspersed some good weeks um, with his approach play with some really rough weeks as well over the last uh, last month or so. So. He's yeah, a bit like that. yeah, it can be. Um, yeah, he obviously loves the place, and he's uh, coming back uh, hopefully for his perspective to to win three on the trot. But yeah, at the at the price, and given what you know, how you described it just then, combined with what you what you'd written yesterday in your preview on the site, it's kind of put me off taking a big chunk on uh, on Hovland winning on what is obviously his, uh, one of his favoured courses. When Victor won the last two years here on my strokes gained eight-week trackers, yeah, for off the tee, he was Mm. ranking second in the field and first on the field the two years he won here. Yeah. This year, it's not a total disaster, but he's ranking 20th. That just Mm. shows you then. So there has been degradation with his driving. And that, to me, is his biggest weapon. And that comes back to the, you know the way he won here last year. He was second for fairways hit and eighth for driving distance. Yeah. So arrow straight, yeah, and long. And he hasn't got that at the moment. That's no. he and he, he you know he said he's been struggling with the driver. We can see that in the last three to four months he's been struggling with the driver. And that Wentworth example is a prime example. So that showed weakness for me. With um, I'm try- I was trying to think as well yesterday. Who was the last person to win a golf tournament three times on the trot on the PJ Tour three years on the bounce? The one, the name, the name that I came up with, and I might be completely wrong. Steve Stricker. Oh, well, the John Deere. Yeah. Now I might be wrong, and if tweet us, do you know, listeners? If I can't think of another player that's gone three straight. No. I've con- I can think of quite a few who've tried it. Daniel Berger's tried it at the South, at the south and blah, 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 blah. But I, I can't think of anyone who's successfully gone three straight. No, I expect Tiger's done it at some some point in that kind of time frame as well. But um, but yeah, Stricker sticks out for, for the JDC. 
Yeah. It's not easy, is it? There's, there's pressure, um, expectation, you know, expectation from the media and from the fans, but also from the from the player himself to to continue his strong form. And if, if everything isn't aligned for Victor, then I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be overly convinced. So I expect he wins by seven now. You're going to crucify me this week, boys. I'll put up someone that's on my post-it note of doom. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think that was the first thing Barry said to me off mic. Yes. I, I don't... I, I don't know. I can't help you if you're going to dig yourself into a very deep hole, Steve. I couldn't what, why, what, what's, what's the... What's... I mean, the question is, why does he? Why has he earned his way off the posted note, albeit temporarily? He's, why has he got a, a weekend pass? <laughs> now, this sounds absolute. You know, this is typical Steve logic here. So, bear with me. Um, could I be hundred percent confident he's going to win? <laughs> no, because uh, no, no, I can't be confident. He's only ever won once on the PJ Tour, and he is a bit of a bottle job. But if you were looking at the perfect golf course or one of the perfect golf courses that would suit this individual, it would be this. And I've just taken his last two outings. Yeah, Zozo Championship in Japan. And then he played the CJ Cup in South Carolina. He was fourth at the Zozo. And he was 45th in South Carolina. I'm not really bothered by that. I was I was more interested in how he played. He was eighth and fourth for driving accuracy. Uh, he was second and thirty-sixth for greens in regulation. And if you actually just look at his numbers, he was third and sixth for total driving, and he was third and eleventh for ball striking. And yeah. Everyone was on Keegan Bradley a few years, a few weeks ago, and I uh, Keegan Bradley at thirty-three or forty to one. I'm not having any of that. He hasn't won for thirty-eight years, and la 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 la, la and he goes and walks it. This golf course is perfect for Emiliano Grio, and I thought, well, in the old days, I'd have ignored him, and he, he'll probably come in a tie for third, and all of my guys will miss and won't even get an each way return. So I just thought, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put Grio in there. So I banged Grio in there. He forty to one is available. Um, I took thirty-five to one with the full eight places. With I think it was Ball Sports, Paul, wasn't it? Who was it win? There was a few available when there was when a few. It was press, generally yeah. available on Monday, wasn't it? Uh, Thirty. I got thirty-five to one eight places with William Hill on Emiliano Grio. And you just look at Grio. Um, put it this way. I've put into the, our predictor model, who, again, uh, I think people predict our predictor model completely free of charge. I have gone onto there, and I have just gone this morning, and I've put in there, right, I've maximised our coastal positive variable. I've maximised our resort scoring variable. So that is basically tournaments where anything from 20 under wins. And I have maximised my soft golf course positive variable. Because those three are key for me. It's going to be soft, it's going to be birdie city, and we're by the coast. And I'm seeing Emiliano Grio in third place. He ranks third behind Victor Hovland and Tony Fina. So I thought, well, I'm having him. So 30, yeah, 35 to 1, bang. 
Everything I looked at, Barry, he just kept appearing. Golf courses, types of, yeah, just everything. And he's playing quite good golf. The other thing with Griot is, you know, I can't believe I'm supporting him. But <laughs> I he can't has keep going. You're doing great. You no, know, listen to this. No, but listen to this. Since July, he was down to 151st in the world, right? Since July, he's finished second at the John Deere Classic. He's finished second at the 3M Open. He's finished fifth at the Sanderson Farms and fourth at the Zozo Championship. That's not bad golf, is it? And if you actually look at what he's done on Sunday, which is always his huge weakness, he started second and finished second at the John Deere Classic. He started second and, uh, sorry, he started second and finished second again at the 3M Open. And he started eighth and finished fifth at the Sanderson Farms. So he hasn't been disintegrating on Sundays. Yeah. If Emiliano Grillo wins this week, that, what you've picked out, is likely to be the key component. Because statistically, I don't think anyone can really argue with you because his game um, and his record suggest that he will get on well with this course this week. Um, it is purely down to you. You can you can see now, couldn't you? You could see him going into that final day on Sunday, um, tied for the lead or one off or one ahead or somewhere thereabouts, and you still wouldn't be particularly confident that he's going to go and, um, you know, even place necessarily because you've seen some horrific Sundays. Yet there have been signs that uh, that mentally he's becoming yeah. stronger on the final days. It, it's that last point, Paul, that swayed me towards him. That feels very Keegan Bradley-esque because he was doing similar things before he won a few weeks ago, actually yeah. showing some balls on a Sunday. I'll yeah. give you an example. Grio was leading here two years ago, going into Sunday, 16 under par. Tom Hoagie was second at 15 under par. Victor Hovland was at 14 under two back. Yeah, yeah. Come the end of the tournament... Hovland won at 20 under par. Hoagie hung around, finished tied third for at 17 under. And I'm scanning, and I'm scanning, and I'm on oh, Grio. Managed to just about, he didn't even get an each-way plays. Yeah. Got a t- top 10. So if you would have been on Grio that week at each-way money, you'd have ended up with nothing. You'd and have ended up the, He went into Sunday his, leading. Yeah. You'd have ended up scrawling his name on a post-it note, potentially. Maybe I was on him that week. Maybe that's how he got on the post. No, no. Uh, the thing is, it's dead easy for us to give you shit about the pick, but if you've managed to pull him temporarily off the post-it note, with good reason for all the stats, and he clicks this week, then we'll be doing a Wayne's World. We're not worthy to you, Steve. So Thank you. It's Yeah. I wish you, I wish you good luck, but I hope it goes down in a ball of flames. It's more fun. <laughs> oh, I expect you... All, I just pray that absolutely no one backs him this week. Gets no mentions on Twitter. Absolutely zilch. Because if he does, and if he knows he's one of the favourites, inbound 78 on Thursday. Game over. Mm. Um, I'm gonna. So that's Grio. I've got him at 35 to 1. I've actually got two shorter than that. I do like understated kind of top 50 in the worlds to win this, just looking at Hovland, looking at Matt Kuchar. There's one that's a bit more left field that I fancy, but I know 
that pulls on him. So I'm going to leave that. So I'll, I'm, ha- I'm going to hand it over to you two for this because I've got shorter than Grio. So deeper prices, deeper players, over to you. Who wants well, to go I've, first? I've got one that's a similar kind of price to Grio and then I've got two far longer. Um, I'll do the short one first. Um, fairly straightforward, Taylor Montgomery, 28 to 1. Um, and he's just really, really impressed over the last few weeks, um, playing on the DP well oh, on the PGA Tour. Going back to his last four events on the Corn Ferry, second, third, fourth, and ninth, um, and then started his uh, PGA Tour season with four consecutive top fifteen finishes. Putts brilliantly, and I think if you're going to compile that kind of, as I say, twenty under in that kind of bracket score this week, you're going to need to putt well. And Taylor Montgomery does exactly that. So I was quite happy to take him at 28 to 1 as my shortest price. If you look at strokes gain last eight weeks, Paul, he ranks joint first, doesn't he? On my track. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it's not difficult to see why, really, because those results have been really good and really consistent. Mm. And... uh, you know, it just backs up the form that he was showing on the Corn Ferry as well. So he seems to me that kind of player that you could see breaking through really quite readily, um, and quite early on in his uh, in, in his career, effectively. So, so yeah, I I, I think he, I think he can go well. Twenty eight to one. There are a lot of named players further down the list that you'd recognise over Taylor Montgomery, who are longer prices. But I think the guy shows enough potential to justify that this week. Personally. You got any? You got any relatively short ones, Barry? Um, I'm going to back Thomas Dietrich. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I have backed him. I'm not going to. I have backed him. Guy's playing really good golf. I, I just, I don't. I kind of feel like this reminds me a bit of the few the kind of Spanish and Portuguese style courses, and he's got plenty of experience on those. Um, on the you know from the DP World Tour, and yeah, let him go. Keep keep the hot hand rolling. I'm going to stay with Ben Griffin as well. You know, playing well last week. He's now even further out in the odds. So he's taken him the 10 places extended again, but he's 140. Mm. Like like a guy that got me a place last week and he's now even bigger this week. I I can't complain. I'll take that too. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I thought you might stick with him. I mean, sometimes you just got to uh, forgive, haven't you? Forgive and forget. There's nothing to forgive. I mean, yeah, it's one of his first chances to, you know, big chance to win a PGA Tour event. It's going to be difficult to win. So, and in fairly heavy wins. Um, Hopefully he learns very quickly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a couple, because he finished fourth at the Wyndham, didn't he, in August as well. So a couple of decent finishes on tour. So there's potential there for sure. Take us for your short ones then, Steve. Oh, I thought you were going to mention Cameron Champ. Oh, I can do Champ. For, well, I've, I've not written a great deal about him down, but... Uh, no, you know, give, we... give, give the listeners your views on Cam Champ. Well, I'll back you up. I think we've talked about Champ a number of times on here, and we've backed him pretty much with the same narrative every time, haven't we? Where you go, he's the kind of player where you just see a string of miscuts, and then you see that spark... Now, the spark can come with an element or a couple of elements of his um, individual game or the parts of his game, but generally it's 
a top 10 or a top 12 finish, something like that. Um, and then from there, he just builds on it. And last time out was a case in point. He was eighth at the Zozo. What was that? Two weeks ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. And he's coming to a course where he can club down a bit. Um, he can, you know, he, he doesn't need to be t- so aggressive off the tee um, that can cause him cause him some problems from off the tee. Um, and look to build on that. And I, I think this, you know, this top ten bang narrative with champ is real i think it's one that i i certainly follow i know you you look at it and follow as well and given the price that's on offer i know 125 to 1 was available out there if you're taking the bog standard places um i took 90 to 1 with eight places which is identical to what you took that's what we did that's what i did yeah and I, 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 at the price, given the the relative field strength, I think there's no reason to, to leave him alone, particularly with that that uh, effort on his last start. Would be he, my view. He's the kind of player that just doesn't, you know, in all of the trackers and all the predictor models and everything. He won't, he won't ever come out of the woodwork because, no. as you said. He can play absolutely abysmally for like 12 tournaments. He's a bit like James Hahn, but better. Mm. But then all of a sudden, he finds something, and it's usually the driver, finds a bit of confidence, can actually make a few putts, because he's not exactly the strongest putter in the, in, on the planet. But I, and he did that at, he did that at Narashino, didn't he? Top eight. Um, yep. Played very well over the weekend. And then you just look at what he's done here. He's played here three times now. Missed the cut in 2017. I don't even think he was a PGA Tour pro at that point. But he played here in 18 and 19. He was first and second for driving distance off the tee here. But he was also fifth and fourth for total driving because he was actually hitting in the top 30 for driving accuracy because he was clubbing down. This is the point, isn't it? He can be hitting it 306 with a three wood, maybe even a five. <laughs> so he can be straight and long because he can club down. And that that 2018 appearance, he was second going into the weekend. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, you know, three PGA Tour victories and this is his fifth season. I, I think Champ at that price at 90 to 1 was the one that just stood out for me. If you just go through that list, there's a lot of good players there. There's also a lot of players that never win, like Kevin Streelman and Mark Hubbard, Grayson Sig. And I just saw Cameron Champ sitting there. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'll have a bit of Cameron Champ. Yeah. No, it was the first click for me yesterday as well. One that's likely to, to bite me on the posterior is Brandon Wu. I was on him last week. He struck the ball beautifully, both off the tee and on approach. Uh, couldn't make a putt. Wu has got a great record in Puerto Rico. I think he's had a third and a second. So he likes to pass Barlam. Would not be surprised to see Brandon Wu in the, in the mix this week. Couldn't fit him in. The amount of um, each way or the amount of stake that I was provided wanting to go with, I've gone from two for the top. Now I think the top of the market's quite interesting this week. I mean, we've got some fairly big names, haven't we? Mm. We have got Scotty Scheffler, who could again recapture world number one. We've got Victor going for a three-peat. We've got Tony Fina, who hasn't played competitive stroke play golf since the Tour Championship. Yes, he played the President's Cup. Noted. But every time I see him on Twitter, he's 
basically been, you know, he's been on a very a long holiday with all of his family by the looks of it, and I hope he enjoyed it. And you've then got Colin Morikawa. Now, I think you can write cases of negativity against all three of those. I think Scheffler hasn't been the same since he capitulated at the Tour Championship. He looks tired. Looks like the end of the... To me, it just doesn't look right. Hovland, I don't care what anyone says, going for a three-peat is going to be hard work and his driver seems to be a little bit more errant than it used to be. Fino's rusty. And I, I've been I've been looking at Colin Morikawa for a long time, thinking that he's due a win, which he is. But when I look at Colin, and I noted this uh, pre-Japan when it started to rain heavily, he doesn't seem the greatest of players on a soft golf course. Don't ask me why. But in across all of the data I track, when there's a bit of cut in the turf, Morikawa isn't overly... Um, towards the top of the scoring. Just something I've noted. Yeah. So then I, I was left with Billy Horshaw and Aaron Wise. Well, Aaron Wise, 20 to 1, just feels short for a guy that's won once on the PJ Tour. So I went with Billy Ho. And Billy Ho, you know, he's got a decent record here, Billy Ho. He seems to like this golf course. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Billy's a bit of a ball striker, can hit it long enough, Bit of a plotter. I mean, the way that he won around Wentworth last year was prime Billy Horschel. Yeah. And that is a plotter's golf course, Wentworth. Just keep the ball in play off the tee. Be long enough. And just leave your approach play to do the business and, and your putting. And when whatever I look at Horschel at the moment, yeah, he's just playing some beautifully consistent golf, isn't he? He was ninth when defending at Wentworth. Tenth at the Alfred Dunhill. Came back to the PGA Tour and played the CJ Cup. Was seventh. He ended up firing a Sunday 66, which was the third, tied third best round of that Sunday. And if you look at his seven career main tour stroke play wins, five of them have been preceded by a top 11 finish. He tends to win and he tends to be bloody obvious when he does it. Hmm. So I took 20 to 1 on Billy Ho. And the other one I fancied, and if I'm going back to Rory McElroy, who I was writing the tip for and got three sentences in and then scrubbed him and went for Justin Thomas, and then Seamus Power, who I didn't put up because he was 22 to 1 when I wanted a bigger prize. My gut feel for this week was two players. One was Billy Ho and the other one was Tom Hoagie. Hoagie sits tied first with Taylor Montgomery, who Paul's put up for strokes gained over the last eight weeks. He's playing that well. He's a great player by the coast. He's done well at Sony Open. He's played well at Torrey Pines. I mean, Torrey Pines, nine, you know, 7,900 yards. That is not a Tom Hoagie golf course, and he's finished fifth there. He's finished 10th in Puerto Rico, fourth at Liberty National, which they play opposite Manhattan. And he's had a ninth and a fourth at Sea Island. That Sea Island RSM classic form is very, very good for this. Matt Kuchar, etc., etc. I mentioned him too about 10 minutes ago, didn't I? He was second going into Sunday behind Emiliano Grio here in 2020. Mm. Now, back then, Tom Hoagie was kind of, mm, it's Tom Hoagie. But now he's, third, you know, 
I think he's the fifth highest player in the field this week. He's 111 spots better off in the official world golf rankings now as opposed to two years ago. So I think if you put Tom Hoagie right in the mix come Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win it. Don't forget, his win this year, his first on the PJ Tour, came at Pebble Beach. Again, that is excellent form for this. Short coastal golf course. So yeah, Tom Hoagie at 25-1. to 1. So I've got Horschel at 20s. Hoagie at 25s, Grio at 35s, Cam Champ at 90 to 1. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of longer prices. Um, well, go on then. One that I know you were on last week, Steve, Garrick Higo, um, mm. 125 to 1. Now, I, last week he was 66s or thereabouts. So he's literally doubled in price or thereabouts over the course of the week. And I don't think he was that bad last week to justify that. Um, some decent form on and around the coast um, back from his European days. Um, and uh, again, you listed these last week. 2020 opened to Portugal. Uh, he won that 19 under. Gran Canaria, he won last year at 25 under. That was on Paspalum Greens. And a fortnight later, he won in Tenerife at 27 under um, when I backed him that week. And uh, those the last two were a couple of short courses, and this isn't particularly long, is it? It's not. It's not overly long for a PGA Tour uh, PGA Tour start. Twenty uh, ninth last week's where he finished in the end, but he closed with a sixty four. That was the best round of the day from the entire field. Yeah, he was third as recently as the Sanderson Farms, and if you look at his one bit of course form here, sixty fourth doesn't stick out. But if you dig into that a little bit, he shot a sixty three. In the second round, that was again that was the best round of the day uh, from the entire field. So he's shown a little bit of form on this uh, on, on this course. He's shown a little bit of form last week, particularly in the final round. Uh, third for greens in regulation last week as well. If he gets a decent week with a putter, I think he can get uh, close to those each way places or better. Yeah. Um, personally, agree. So I took un- I took one hundred and twenty fives. That was with eight places. Um, and uh, we'll see how that one fares. The other one I've backed, um, slightly longer, is um, Jim Herman at uh, 800 to 1. Your addiction um, to Jim Herman. <laughs> you need to go and see somebody about that, Paul. Yeah, 800 to 1, um, eight places each way. I and mean, you can take him at 1,000 with uh, the bog standard five if you prefer. Um, but yeah, I've taken him with, uh, uh, with 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 the eight places at just eight hundred to one. Now, if you look, actually, Jim made the cut on his last start. He was forty fourth at the Shriners. His best result in twenty twenty two that was seventh at the Puerto Rico Open. And you've mentioned Puerto Rico a number of times um, in your preview preview and on the podcast as well, um, because of its um, similarities in terms of its greens here. Um, Hovland won both events, isn't he? This event and also the Puerto Rico Open. So the fact that Herman's best effort this season was at Puerto Rico um, does offer a little bit of encouragement, as does his long game at the Shriners. Um, fourth for driving accuracy. Um, short game is good. Fifth for scrambling. Three times a PGA Tour winner, Jim. I don't think you can never underestimate him. He's the kind of guy who can just pop up and win, particularly when the scoring is in the 20s under par. 21 and 26 under his last two star, uh, last two wins. So, yeah, just a bit of a fun bet, but uh, wouldn't it be nice to get a place in at 800 to 1, eh? Donald Trump's best mate. <laughs> yeah. You'd yeah. have thought Donald would have got him a guest star at one of these live events, wouldn't you, old Jim Herman? 
Trump would have come on. Get get my friend Jim on your tour, guys. Perhaps he needs to win this. He's a ball-striking machine, Jim Herman. Perhaps he needs to win this week to get himself back above the radar. <laughs> Just to back up Garrick Higo with you, Paul, he's he's another one that's likely to bite me on the bum. He, I, I tell you, it's a good punt. He was third for greens in regulation last week, uh, Garrick Higo. Fifth for total accuracy, 12th for total driving, and third for ball striking. And like you say, he ended with that very good score that jumped him from 60th on the leaderboard to 29th in the end. Yeah. The sort. Hmm. Undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good, Gary Kigo. Um, I think that's it. I'll I'll tell you what I was just going to quickly ask before we go. I noticed that Dean Bermester is... Dean is very much on the cusp of getting a top 50 spot in the world, Dean Bermester. Now, I know Barry put him up a few weeks ago, and he did well for Barry. I think that was at Sanderson's Farms. Bet365 are currently the only firm that are offering eight places each way of 50 odds with their each way extra facility. And Dean Bermester is priced up at 80, 8 0 to 1. Mm. Now, can you either of you guys give us a reason to back Dean Bermester from what he's done on the DP World Tour? I mean, is he okay on Paspalum, for instance? I, I noted, because I did have a look at him, that he, he has got some decent coastal form on the yeah. DP World Tour. So, yeah. you know, I'm thinking coastal golf course, pretty tight, but if you're a good straight driver, it works. And this Dean is in, you know, if he got a good week this week, he's going to be getting that Masters invite mm. in December. So I'm trying to put it all together. I can't think that he's got any passable form that's screaming at me and the coastal form from memory you're talking about is Tenerife I think yeah I think it was yeah it was Spanish Um, yeah and again that's coastal that event from memory again I'm sure it was on um, Bermuda Greens rather than Paspalum I think they were Um, Tiff Eagle yeah yeah, it was the one Higo won I believe uh, or Higo's won there um, I think Higo won there on the same course Yes, yeah, it was one of these double headers, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he putts well, I think there's two things to say, isn't there? Because when he putts well, he's very, very good. Um, he's the kind of player, again, similar to Champ, who can club down a little bit here mm-hmm. and um, you know, forego a little bit of length to get some accuracy. And if that's going to help him navigate around this course, um, and as you say, everyone's going to be in similar kind of landing areas, aren't they? So yep. the, the long, longer players will club down a bit and land in a similar player, a similar spot to the shorter players who, who who go off the tee with a driver or a, you know a wood. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. He, he he didn't scream at me when I was uh, when I was looking at him specifically, but um, yeah, there's plenty to play for for him and uh, bits to like. We shall see. Yeah, I'm just flicking down here. I saw. I'm pretty certain. Yeah, here you go. Seventh at the Alfred Dunhill last year. So you can clearly play well by the coast. Sixth at the DP World Tour Championship. You know, there's a lot on offer for Dean Bermester this week. And he'd be the sort that you look at next Monday morning and go, oh, God, he was really fighting. Like, you know, a bit like um, our friend Alex Nuren. He was fighting for that Masters invite. Mm. And you could have got him at eighty to one, and he's got you know he's got a decent each way place. That was the kind of angle I was looking at him. So yeah, yeah. one well, food for thought. I thought 
Yeah, first at Tenerife Open and fourth at the Canary Islands Championship last year. I think we're done, boys, aren't we? Indeed. Yes. Yeah, best of luck, boys. Best of luck to you guys with your tips this week. Best of luck to the listeners. We will be back next week with the Golf Betting System podcast. Don't forget, five-star reviews. Press the five stars on Spotify. That would be absolutely fabulous. We'll be back next week with the Houston Open. And uh, what have you got, Paul? Oh, it's the Ned Bank Golf Challenge. Ned Bank Golf Challenge. I wish you a good betting week. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf